and welcome to the Money Magic Podcast with Vangile Makwakwa. This is the podcast where we talk about trauma and how it affects our finances and our lives. I help women of color unlock ancestral wisdom so they can fall in love with their bank accounts, increase income and live their best lives. This podcast was birthed when I started having conversations with private clients and students in my online courses about the remarkable shifts they'd had in their finances and started receiving feedback and updates from people on how these conversations were helping them understand their family dynamics and financial behavior. I've seen how unlocking ancestral wisdom has helped me pay off $60,000 in debt, buy property, launch and grow my company Wealthy Money into a six-figure business in US dollars as I travel and live in various countries on the globe. I've lived in over eight countries and traveled to many more as I built this company. My intention with this podcast is to provide you with weekly episodes that help you understand the importance of healing and help you understand your relationship with money better so you can start making different financial decisions and creating a life you love for yourself and future generations. So without further ado, let's get started and dive into this week's episode. Welcome to the live class. <sighs> Sorry, I took a while. I had to decide where I wanted to sit today, where the lighting was best. In the end, I decided on this. So if you've just joined, I'm in And this is why. <laughs> so I could do the live class as I looked out the window and watched whatever the heck was going on outside. <laughs> So welcome, welcome. If you've just joined me, my name is Vangile Makwakwa and I am the founder of Wealthy Money and the host of this Wealthy Money Facebook group. And I teach women of color. Um, I help women of color heal ancestral money trauma so that they can fall in love with their bank accounts, increase their income and live their best lives. So, gosh, where to start? Oh God, I forgot my journal. Oh, I was going to read some stuff from my journal. It's fine. I'll do it for the Money Magic students later. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes I screenshot my journal stuff for them so they can see some of the things that I also work through. So today, a few, two weeks ago, I I wanted to do this live a week ago, but it's good because I had an ear infection and then um, I also hadn't come to this deep realization of how all this work ties together, right? So today I want to talk about a financial, a financial set point and link it to vows of loyalty and the God wound. And the vow of loyalty is predominantly concerned with family. And I will backtrack, don't worry, I will answer all that. So if you haven't watched the previous video, the previous video I was sharing why budgets don't work. It's somewhere in this group search for it (laughs) and it's also on youtube as well so we've also posted it on the youtube uh, wealthy money channel just go on youtube don't search my name under my (laughs) a personal youtube channel is just music and poetry videos you're not going to find anything you know so every all the wealthy money videos are under wealthy money right and you can just go to uh, youtube.com forward slash wealthy money one or just search on here Um, in the group. Um, Anyway, so in that video, I was sharing about um, one aspect of why budgets don't work. So in this particular video, I want to talk about why, um, what is a money set point? Because I kept referencing money set points in that video, right? And now I want to talk about what a money set point is, why 
we sometimes, there's many reasons why we have money set points, right? But for now, I want to talk about family and loyalty to family, which is not at all bad. It's also a good thing, right? But I want to talk about how some of these things play out in terms of vows and why we keep coming back to the same number in terms of income. Why for some of us it can feel like death trying to go beyond a certain income level, right? You, you progress, you progress, you progress, and then you reach a particular income level and you're like, I can't seem to make more money than this every month, even when you switch jobs or maybe you switch jobs and then the next thing you know is it doesn't matter how much you earn, you just can't keep a certain amount of money in your bank account. That is a money set point, right? So a money set point is basically just a um, cap that we have around money in some way. So it also, so let me explain how it plays out um, with income I just shared, right? Is that somehow we find ourselves, even in our business, we can't seem to go beyond a certain revenue or uh, a certain revenue figure or a certain profit figure. And it's just, it can be really, really frustrating because it, it's like you've hit a cap. Right, and no matter what you do, you can't seem to go beyond that. So, um, my money set point was actually very, very low in all aspects. <laughs> Honestly, um, I could not. Uh, my thing was, I wasn't even aware when I was making more money. That was, I think, that's actually the craziest thing. There was one point in my life when I was sixty thousand dollars in debt, and I was making between a thousand five hundred dollars and two thousand dollars a week. Um, and I was living in Boston, Massachusetts at the time, and I was working as a tutor, and I was like making almost eight thousand, like making uh, eight thousand dollars from like literally ten hours a work, uh, eight thousand dollars a month from about forty hours of work every month. So. At the time, I think it was about 90,000 Rand a month from just working 40 hours. It didn't click and I didn't know it. And in fact, I ended up more in debt. And this is where the set point comes in, right? So what I didn't realize, in my head, I wasn't making any money. When I look, it, it's so crazy what happens once we start to heal. It's like, I just never had money. So I was making all this money and I just never had money. I, till this day, I think to myself, what the hell was I doing with that money? Mostly giving it away. I was definitely not paying off debt, right? I was doing the most, right? So I, like, honestly, as you can tell, I don't even really have a basic understanding or clue what I did with that money. I've looked back on journals and I'm just like, did I really, really have this point in my life? Because I'm like thinking, I could have been out of debt in a matter of months, but I wasn't keeping track of that and I didn't even, it didn't even feel like it. And actually that amount of money freaked me out because it went beyond my set point of what I believed one has to earn or what I believed I was capable of earning, right? So that's just another story around like how um, when we go beyond our set points, it can feel really unsafe. So this is where you have the thing with the I blew it. If you're not South African, I blew it is an episode where people come into lots of money and they film how they blew that money, right? It happens. It can happen to any of us. It's not that there's, we look at everyone on I blew it and we're like, oh my God, you know, but the truth is once most of us go beyond our set points and we haven't done the work, we can literally wake up a year later and be like, what just happened? I didn't even feel like I had that money, right? Or you don't have to do what I did, right? Which is once you go beyond your set point, you can totally blow your money in ways that you don't even remember or don't even understand. Like, honestly, guys, if you had to sit me down now and ask me what I did with that money, I don't know, <laughs> you know, like I'm genuinely here and I'm like, it like all I knew was that I kept getting into debt even with that money oh yeah but anyway let's let's move on 
it still like shocks me. It doesn't annoy me, but it's always like just such a wow to me how trauma plays out. Um, so the other way that we stay within our set point, right, is that um, we can actually not allow ourselves to move beyond a certain income level. You know, it's like it doesn't matter what happens. You probably even have it in your head that I'm the kind of person that just doesn't attract money or doesn't make more money than this or doesn't have more money coming into my life. That is a set point, right? It's like you've just never been able to go beyond X amount and X amount consistently. So maybe you do this once in a blue moon, right? But to do that consistently. So to find your set point is quite simple. You can just actually just look at the amount of money coming into your bank account every month and just keep seeing what is the constant. And you can also start seeing like when you got promoted, what um, did you get more money and how much more money do you get, right? Or um, where are you always in salary negotiations? What are you offered? So that is a set point, right? Um, and sometimes, and here's the other thing. So maybe we go beyond our income set point and then you do what I did right which brings me to the savings and um debt set points which is that it doesn't matter how much you make you come back to your set point in your bank account like my set point at the time when i was making about eight thousand dollars a month which now it's kind of crazy because the dollar has increased so much it's like um 120,000 rand right was overdraft right so imagine i was making that and i only had to look after myself and pay back my debts and i was constantly in overdraft i was maybe in the positive for maybe two or three days after i got paid by clients but without fail i would go back to my overdraft of maybe 150 dollars sometimes even um a negative 500 dollars it's just that is that was my I don't want to call it a comfort zone, but a set point is almost that is where your nervous system feels comfortable. And comfortable doesn't mean that your nervous system is calm and relaxed, right? In this case, I'm using comfortable in the sense of this is what you are used to. This is what um, the subconscious mind and the nervous system is kind of, um, um, how do I say? they know how to deal in that level. So for me growing up, I would see, um, I lived with my uncle in my teens and my mom and this time, and there was a time when my mom didn't even have any money to buy food. I was sharing with the Money Magic students that one of the things that I'm working through now are memories from my teens where my mom um, had to go ask restaurant owners to keep leftover food for us, for my sister and I, so that we could go to school and have lunch and have something to eat, right? So, yeah, my, my family money story has... It's just like this, there's been peaks and there's been real downsides, right? And the downs have been that down, right? Where there's been no money for food, no anything, like don't know if we're coming or going. So growing up, I had those moments, right? And I would see my uncle who made lots of money. And here's a crazy thing. On my mom's side of the family, almost everyone had a degree and had a job. But this is, and we'll talk about how this then ties, set points then tie in to the vows of loyalty, right? So my mom was a nurse um, and is now a retired nurse, but she'd always been a nurse and then she left her job. And then my uncle was earning like, I think about 80,000 rand a month at the time and we were living with him, but there was still no food in the house come maybe the second or the third week of the month, right? It, it was that, that crazy. And we couldn't even say like, you know, Oh, people are like partying nonstop. They like doing all these things. No, it's just, there's a lot going on. There was a lot going on there, right? And I think vows of loyalty, once I start unpacking it, will explain how this all ties to set points. So what, what I knew, even at that time, making that much money was my normal, what my subconscious mind felt safe with was an overdraft, 
right? Because that was what I had seen growing up, in particular my teens, maybe not so much as a child, but in my teens when we moved uh, to live with my uncle, that's what I started seeing as my normal. And so all every time I managed money, and this is true for all of us, every time we manage money, the subconscious mind goes into the body to access memories that are stored within the body to do with money. So every time my subconscious mind accessed the memory stored there, it just came up with overdraft. This is what feels safe. So it would feel really, really scary for me, actually, if I even had like $200 or $300 in my bank account, I would, I would really not be able to sleep. <laughs> you know, I'm like really a poster child for that song. Um, so if you're watching and you're not South African, there's a song in South Africa that says, um, uh, something like now Nemali Aglalegi or something. Uh, so basically general translations, I don't know. General translation, I can't remember the exact lyrics, but basically when you have money, you can't sleep. That was me, <laughs> you know, like having money was a problem. I needed to find something to do with it, right? So, and that was so much because it felt unsafe in my nervous system because now if I had a positive amount of money in my bank account, it um, basically, it went against the information that my subconscious was accessing from the memories in my body, right? And so that felt unsafe because I didn't know what to do with that, right? With that feeling of having money. And the best way to explain it, I always um, love doing this when I share with the Money Magic students, but it's that think about how often we hear people that have come from abusive relationships and then well, they like, this guy was so nice. I can't be with him because he was so nice and I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. And then they go back to the man who is abusive. Now, most people like always say, oh, but why did someone do that? And we always blame those people. Really and truly, what we need to understand is that there's no blame there. This is a trauma response. It's that actually the, uh, the safety and the loving environment feels unsafe because the nervous system is so used to being hypervigilant that now when there is no situation requiring the hypervigilance, it freaks out. It feels abnormal. So it's the same with money, right? So when we go beyond the set point, it's like, oh my gosh, what is going to happen? Who would I be? This is scary. And it may actually feel like death at times, right? When you go beyond that set point. So people always ask, how do I know my money set point? Go print out your bank statements. See what is the number that you often come back to in your bank account, right? And maybe look maybe by the third or the fourth week of the month. What is the number that is often there? That is your set point. And sometimes, like I said, your set point can be zero. When my set point was zero, I celebrated because when I moved from negative 300, negative 500, I was just happy, you know, like better dealing with zero than always owing the bank, right? So that was my mindset. Mm, but then we also have a debt set point, right? So this is like, this also explains why we will pay off debt and then we'll find ourselves right back in debt. We pay off debt and then like a year or two later, we create debt and we find ourselves right back in debt, right? And it's like, what the heck is going on? Because it doesn't feel comfortable to be out of debt. And a lot of that, again, is probably tied to family stuff, to how we grew up, um, sometimes to the vow of invisibility. There are many things, right? But today I'm going to be talking about the family aspects of things. But yeah, so we can often see that. And sometimes what has come up for Money Magic students and myself as well when I was working through my debt is that if one of the key beliefs that can sometimes come up and can feel so scary is that the idea of being debt free can literally feel like death. 
right? And it can feel unsafe. Even though you are upset about being in debt and you are affirming that you want to get out of debt and you're visualizing a debt-free life, the truth is if it doesn't feel safe in the body and the nervous system and the nervous system equates being debt-free with a debt, because it's not something that feels safe, then I promise you, your affirmations, your visualizations will always be overridden by the, the body's need to survive, by the nervous system's need to keep you in, uh, to keep you alive, right? And remember, and here's the thing that I think that we need to realize is that the subconscious mind isn't looking at death in the same way that we're looking at death, as in like, no longer breathing, right? Um, it's looking at it like as in, this is not something that feels safe. It's the unknown. And there's nothing that the mind hates more than uncertainty, right? Because if you think about it, in the Stone Age, uncertainty often meant that like I'm going into the unknown and what if I walk into the unknown so think about even how we process things right I'm going into the night and it's dark outside what if I come across a, a person an enemy um, a tiger it's unknown so what is our a natural instinct in that moment. It's to stay indoors, right? Or to go get the light or to get someone to go with us into the dark. It's the same thing when it comes to money, right? It's no different. It's that most times the subconscious mind has never been debt-free or we haven't seen someone close to us living a completely debt-free life. So how do we know that being debt-free is a thing because we yes we've heard about it from strangers but how do we know that for us it will work out and we will be okay right so that's the thing so no matter what the mind wants to keep you safe right and we can't blame it right so we have to work with that so how does all this tie in with the vow of loyalty and what the heck does this even mean? So I think like I was talking to one of my friends who's a psychiatrist in Boston and we're having this conversation around vows of um, loyalty on Saturday. And I thought like she's, uh, she'll probably, because she's a psychiatrist, she'll think that it's so woo-woo, right? So I was telling her how I'm working through these vows of loyalty. And then she's like, yeah, I get that. So the best way that she described it, she's like her mentor called it invisible ropes that um, are tying you to previous, um, to everyone else in your ancestral lineage, right? And kind of linked to intergenerational trauma. So it's all these invisible ropes that we don't see. That's why I was like, oh my God, that is actually a genius way to kind of explain what a vow of loyalty is. And the fact that she got it, I was like, wow, okay. Like big ups to the psychiatric field for the work that they starting to do around intergenerational trauma and the understanding of how these energetic invisible ropes are playing out. So basically a vow of loyalty, quite simply, is um, it's basically the thing that keeps us fettered, like the rope, uh, but think of it more as energetic and more like a vow that keeps us fettered to our family, our ancestors, the way that our family does things, right? So it's that this is how my grandmother did things. This is how my grandfather, uh, this is how my great-grandmother did things. This is how uh, my great-great-grandmother did things. And so we basically look as kids and we're like, oh my God, I love grandma so much. And she looked at her grandmother and her mother and she was like I love them so much I want to be just like them right and if they struggled it's like I like this is our struggle it's our thing it's like you know so it feels like death when we 
go and we succeed and they are still struggling. And I know most of us can resonate with this, right? You, um, and it's one of the reasons why so many of us don't even want to go home because we're like, oh my God, if I go home, I have to see the struggle. I have to confront it. I have to be aware of how I am thriving and they are not. And so it just like, and then it triggers us. And then most of us are like, but why is it that when I get home, I bleed money? Well, when you get home, you can no longer run from your vow of loyalty. It just gets triggered. Or why is it that when I'm around my mother and she comes to visit, I just start bleeding money. My finances fall apart. It's not witchcraft. Or like, why is it when my old friends from high school come to visit and they are in a different situation and I'm in a different situation, they are stuff like, I just start bleeding money again. It's the vow of loyalty that has kicked in. So yes, it is the invisible rope, right? I kind of like that because it's like something that we can all kind of understand, <laughs> but it's a little deeper, right? So it's the invisible rope, but a vow of loyalty is also a decision or a, um, I think like, let's just call it a vow, almost like how we make a, a marriage vow when we say, I do, I will remain loyal to you. And you know how blood wrenching and how hard it is for us when um, these vows are broken, when people break marriage vows, we've seen how heart-wrenching that is. It's the same kind of concept. We make these, except unlike marriage vows, we're making these vows unconsciously to family, right? And we do it from a very, very young age. We're not even aware of it. We're just like, oh my God, I love my family. I want to be like them, right? And so um, because spirit is so incredible, right? It doesn't go like, oh, I just want to be like my mother in terms of how she behaves with people. It's like we become, we're like, I want to be like them. And then it's like the soul kind of imprints that. And it becomes like, I am just going to emulate them in every way. So this is also why when we look at families, we can get really frustrated and say, but so-and-so went to university and so-and-so went did this and they did this, but somehow they still end up in debt. They still never have money. They still do all these things. Why? So I always say to people, if you want to understand how the vows of, how vows of loyalty are playing out in your life, you can literally go look at your great grandmother if you were lucky enough to know her or else your grandmother, ask your mom also about these things or your parents or your aunts, just ask family members. So look at your grandmother, your great grandmother, your aunt, your uncle, your sister, yourself, do little columns and then like look at how they, um, their income level, look at debt, look at savings and then like really focus a lot on um, the uh, spending habits, look at their saving habits and then look at how you fit into that. You're going to have to be honest. This is not an exercise where you do wishful thinking, where you wish them to be something they are not, right? You're going to have to write the blatant truth and then start looking at how this plays out. In one of the retreats that I did in the village, we went even deeper where I said to the students, look at, I want you to remember the age when certain things happened for your mother, when certain things happened for your father, how old were they when they got their first job? Maybe, you know, when they transitioned to, uh, to their business, um, or look at your grandmother, the age, all that. And People were so shocked, right? Like so, so shocked. Even like I even said, look at your teens. And if you've got daughters, look. And some people had their daughters at the retreat, which was so special because it was so fascinating to see how at a certain age, their daughters were literally behaving the way that they behaved at that same age, right? It's it doesn't, like, I can't even explain how that happened. And I think for the women at the retreat to see that and for their kids to actually verbalize it and say, oh my God, I do the same thing that you did in your teens. It is freaky and very scary, but that is vows of loyalty, right? 
And it's again, it's like, there's no way that your daughter could have known that you behaved like that in your teens, right? It only came up in the retreat. And then like, we started looking at our parents and like all these things. And it's like, we unconsciously mirror things within our families and we don't even know it. And we don't just do this with random behaviors, with relationships. We do this with money as well. But because most of us don't talk about money in our families, we're not even aware that we're doing it, right? So this is a vow of loyalty. And this is where it becomes really, really tricky with the vow of loyalty. Because I can't just say to you guys, go and just be like, oh, I'm no longer loyal to my family, right? If it were that easy, we would all do it, right? Like it would be just, um, it would be just like one of the easiest things in the world. So how do we work with vows of loyalty? Um, for me, mainly how I help people um, release the vows of loyalty is through meditation. And it's not something that we do once or twice, because here's the thing. Just like with marriage vows, you know, like how every anniversary you're reinforcing, I love this person, I'm so glad I took this vow. We do that with vows through various incidents in our family lineage, right? We're like, oh, my mother did this and the five-year-old you is like, oh, I love her so much, want to be just like her. Reinforce, reinforce, reinforce. In your teens, you're reinforcing. So like there are so many moments where we're reinforcing. And here's the, here's the crazy thing. With vows of loyalty, we're not just reinforcing the good things, right? Often, and this is where I'm at, right? My greatest challenge with my vows of loyalty wasn't that I keep, I kept reinforcing the good things that were happening in my family. In fact, I kept reinforcing my vow of loyalty to my family whenever I saw them struggle, right? And then we're going to transition now into the God wound because this is so important to understand why sometimes it's difficult to release a vow of loyalty without going into the God wound and without um, working through another vow, which is the vow to prove the unfairness of God. Again, I'll say this, the God wound and the vow to prove the unfairness of God, you're not going to find them on Google, right? Like they're very unique to wealthy money and the work that I do in the Money Magic course. Um, although I want to kind of try doing some things around the vow of loyalty um, and the God wound for this current bank account challenge. And I'll talk more about that later. <sighs> It's going to be very experimental, but let's see how far we go, <laughs> right? Um, it will be uh, just uh, not in particular around income, because that's a whole body of work on its own, but just around saving and spending. Okay, so this brings me, okay, so what are they saying? Okay, the vow of loyalty. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, so what often happens, so for me, how the vow of loyalty played out in terms of my family um, relationships is that every time I saw my family struggle, like I just shared the struggle of my mom having to go to restaurant owners to ask them to put aside food for us and to be able so that honey and I could have food for school and just have dinner, right? It was like every time I saw that, I just felt like, this is so unfair. And I wanted to carry the burden from my, for my mother. And I was having this interesting conversation with one of my coaches. Um, uh, she's based in the UK and she's, uh, she's British and she does trauma informed work with me. So we do, a, we've done a lot of work around my <laughs> mother wound and my vows of loyalty. Like it's been, like we've been working together for two years. And I finally said to her, I said, one of the things that keeps shocking me is that it didn't matter how much abuse I endured from my family, right? It's like I am still at the core of it trying to untangle the vows of loyalty from seeing them struggle. So as I watched my mother struggle, the thing that came up for me, and we were talking about this as this is often common for firstborn children, right? Because I was asking her, I was like, is this normal? And she's like, she has a theory that it's normal for firstborn children, right? You're watching your mother struggle. What do you do? My mom and my dad were not together, right? So they didn't, so they weren't sharing their struggles together. So I step in as the firstborn child and I'm like, 
I want to shoulder this pain for my mother. I'm sure we know, most of us can resonate with this, right? It's like, I want to carry half the pain. So energetically, I literally become loyal to shouldering that struggle, right? So right now, which the Money Magic students know, and Lungi has seen me absolutely break down around trying to release this vow, because releasing vows is... Um, it goes into the physical. It's about going into the body to release it. And then it goes into the spiritual plane. And then it's the emotional plane. And then it's all this other stuff. So it's not like, that's I'm like, I'll never say that a vow is like, oh, we'll just do it in a second, right? Um, so it's so it's been just like this crying because it's like, Part of me, especially the part of me that is still in the trauma and has not integrated and processed just how deep that pain of watching my mother go through that is. Because was, this was also a time when my mother was barely able to make 10 rand a day selling Izimbiza, which is like um, less than a dollar selling herbs, right? And I watched all this. So as the firstborn child, my thing was like, how do I shoulder this? So it's almost like my inner team and my mom are like enmatched, you know? So it's like, how do I unravel this? That this is her trauma. And yes, it is my trauma as well, but it is not mine to carry and share the burden, right? So I've done a blog post before about how sometimes first as firstborn daughters become like husbands to single mothers, right? So you almost like fill in the gap of the father that is not there. My dad was great, don't get me wrong, right? But my parents were not together, right? My dad was with my stepmom and he did a lot in terms of uh, paying my school fees, everything, like a lot of like the big things my dad did. But the thing is he didn't know all the little things that were going on when he wasn't there because I'm living with my mom, right? And so watching all this, and also these were moments, like later I had a conversation with my dad where I'm like, those were not moments that I wanted to share with him because it's like, who wants to share that their mom is struggling so much and that things are so bad, right? So, and also I had trained myself to put up this facade because I was going to this private school. So it's like, I have to look like I've got it together because it felt like everyone I was at school with had it together. And like, how do you go like, oh my God, this is such a super expensive school, but we can't even have, we don't even have food. And the food in my lunchbox is not really food that we bought, right? It's not like conversations that you're going to be having. Like as a teen, I didn't, I didn't even have the resources for that uh, to have such conversations, right? I didn't know how to bring them up. So anyway, it's like part of me still feels, so what's going on with me right now, how the vow of loyalty plays out, is that I've set one of the biggest income goals that I've set so far in my business, right? And what's come up is this absolute, like it is wrong to even want to make this income. And when I dug deeper into why it's wrong, what came, what keeps coming up is because I would be, uh, because my mother struggled so much to make money. She couldn't even make 10 rand a day, you know, less than, I don't know, 3,000 rand a day just to be able to, um, uh, uh, to help us in terms of to give us food. So it feels to my inner team, the part of me that has, that is so working on integrating that trauma that if I now expand beyond even this level, I am abandoning my mom to her trauma in that moment. That suddenly I'm like going, ooh, deuces, it's been great, but now we get to have absolute ease and crazy expansion in ways that, well, no one in my family has had in like a while, you know? So cheers, it's been real. But then like that makes me, so that brings up a lot of guilt because then that feels like, 
oh my gosh, I'm abandoning my mother to her own pain and her own trauma. And a huge part of me wants to not expand because I want to be in solidarity with my mom. I want to be like, oh my gosh, we are both at this level and we are still shouldering that pain you know, of making ends meet together. And so this is what often happens with most of us, right? It's like, we look at this and we're like, oh my gosh, I can't. And then there's so much. And one of the key things that will help you realize that you've bumped up against a vow is that you feel guilt, insane amounts of guilt about wanting the money, about having it. As soon as you have it, you give it away. So how it was playing out for me, and most of you that have been following me for a while know this, right? Like you've seen me go through this loop publicly. It's like, um, there I am, <laughs> I'm doing all this, and then um, I would gift as much as I made to my mom. Right, like in, or I'd be forcing my mom to take money even when she's like, I don't want it. Because my mom has never, this is the absolute truth. My mom, for all her drama and everything, has never ever asked me for money, right? And in fact, she's often said, Can you please look after yourself before you try to give to me, right? But then I was forcing her. And I was like, oh my God, you have to take it. And if it's not her, then I'm like, gifting to everyone else. I'm gifting to business partners. I'm gifting to friends. Right, because now I'm working from a space of guilt because now I've gone against the vow, so I can't keep it because it goes against my um, income set point and my receiving set point. So it can't be held in my, by my nervous system because it just goes against the deep vow. And every time I hold that money and I have it, it triggers the vow and triggers the guilt and the guilt becomes unbearable. So, and then it also triggers emergencies, right? So, what, so often what has to happen is that we have to first release that vow of loyalty, which will be painful because there's a reason why the parts of us have taken on these vows of loyalty and reaffirmed them, right? So it's about allowing myself to integrate the trauma of my teens and just be like, yeah, this was hella traumatic, right? Because guys, poverty is hella traumatic right so this was traumatic it was traumatic to see my mom go through this and to cry it out but then to also be like i'm not there yet and then to also give myself permission to um release the vow now here's where there's also another doozy that comes up around vows of loyalty so you already have a vow of loyalty but then you decide I'm not going to, I can't. The, the other parts of us, the sub-personalities, which are your inner child and your inner teen, may refuse to release the vow of loyalty because to release the vow of loyalty would also let God off the hook. And this is where it becomes very, very interesting and don't want to say interesting, but even more intense and hard for people, especially people that grew up in the church, because this is such a difficult notion for them to really get behind. So one of the things that I realized is that for years, I couldn't figure out why the heck I could not release the vow of loyalty fully in some moments. You know, it's like I would release it, but part of me would be like, mm -mm, we'll release it this much, but never go beyond this much. You know, so I'm going to keep blocking progress. And a, a huge part of that is because part of me felt, okay, my mother has gone through this. My family has gone through this experience and it was hard. But where was God or the divine, right, in that moment? Um, I didn't grow up Christian, right? But you still get what I'm saying. So, because the soul is is aware most times that this is not about God as in religion. It's about God as in our spiritual connection to the divine, right? So it's not limited to whatever religion you are, because I'm not any religion, right? But it was in this moment, it's like, where was the divine in this moment, right? How dare the divine abandon us to this pain, to the point where I have to see my mom go through that. 
And so I was refusing to release the vow of loyalty. And what, and I've seen this often, often, often with clients, right? And I always say to the Money Magic students, if you feel like you, no matter what you do, nothing is moving forward, you probably are dealing with a God wound, right? It's like you are here to prove that God has indeed been unfair. So how? let me explain how it's working out for me right now with my inner team, right? Is that a part of the refusal to release the vow of loyalty is that if I release the vow of loyalty, and I was telling Lungi this this morning, I was like, yeah, then suddenly people will be like, oh, but you went through that. But look at God. Isn't God good like all the time? Isn't the divine so amazing? And there's this other part of me that's like, no, like my inner chin is like, where was the divine when I was struggling? So it's almost like I am going to stand in this gap and show how unfair the divine has been towards my family and I will not allow myself to break through no matter what right I won't abandon because if I release if I finally heal my pain and I finally integrate this trauma and I abandon like abandon my mother in that memory to her pain because suddenly in a team me is like I no longer shoulder this pain with you mom I no longer shoulder these financial problems with you these battles are no longer ours they are now yours right because I'm out here healing integrating out here living my best life right then that means that me and the divine are cool right because I finally healed this trauma wasn't as big as I thought it was, right? It was because, after all, I forgave and I got, and I'm kind of healing and I'm working through it. And now when people look at me, they'll be like, oh, but it all worked out in the end. And they're not really understanding the depth of the pain that I felt in that moment because it all worked out in the end. Everything happens for a reason. So part of us is like, if that you know, how I am going to uh, show, how I'm going to show the truth of what we have been through as a family, um, together as a tribe, is that I will not break through because I want to show how, just how much we've suffered, that it doesn't matter what we do, things won't work out for us because no matter what my family did, no matter how hard my mother worked, she never got to have the life that I have. So why do I get to have the life that I have if she worked so hard? Why does it get to be easy for me? Why do I get to have my best life? Why do I get to live this life and have so much fun with it? That is just not fair. And then you, we look around, right? And we do it all the time, even as adults, but as teens more and children, right? It's like, we look around and we're like, who do I blame for this? Well, I can't blame my family because I see they're struggling through this. So it must be the divine. And this is where it becomes hard because most of us have been taught. And I will always preface this by saying that I developed the God wound work with a Catholic bishop, right? I did it in a convent and I tested it on a Catholic bishop. So I know this work is really scary for people that have grown up in the church and now have to untangle that relationship with the divine. And here's the crazy thing. It's like, we think that if we acknowledge that anger at the divine will be struck dead it will mean like we never have a better relationship with the divine blah 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 will be punished etc but i promise you that relationship actually deepens because now you're no longer trying to bypass that anger right but we've been taught that you can never feel anything but gratitude towards the divine and maybe fear right but all these other experiences you can't feel but the truth is that if we don't untangle whatever that vow is then we literally there's a part of us in our, um, our part of our sub personality that is like going i am here to showcase how unfair God is. And the way that I'm going to do that is by refusing to break through so that I can always remember that there was a point when the divine 
didn't step in. So now here's the thing, for us to be able to fully release that vow of loyalty, we have to step into releasing and healing the vow to prove the unfairness of God, which literally means forgiving the divine for what we have suffered right forgiving um and this forgiveness process isn't that i wake up and i go i forgive no ma'am right it's literally going into that vow and working with it exploring it and then uh, starting to release it in the spiritual plane right and also releasing it physically wherever it is stored in the body and again it's layered so we can have many different vows around proving the unfairness of God in so many ways. Here's the problem with the God wound, right? Is that unless the God wound is engaged and we start healing that, what I find is that we will go through multiple healing practices. We will go see preachers, healers, do everything and we'll be like, I know things don't work out for me. They work out for other people, but not for me and not for my family. Uh -uh. You know, and it will be like, for some reason, it will feel like it, my prayers don't operate in the same way as another person's prayer. It's got nothing to do with that, right? It's a lot to do with uh, working through this anger at the divine and then releasing it right because here's the thing it's like every time so how my vow to prove the unfairness of god plays out especially in particular with this income goal and with releasing my vow of loyalty towards my mom and the rest of the family is that every time i want to expand and step into my power and go after this goal what happens is i go ooh. Part of the, the part of me that I'm now connecting with and working with on healing this vow goes, no, because every time I expand, now that means that God is off the hook, the divine is off the hook, right? But my mother suffered, so that's not true. And I will be damned if people say that, oh, look at how God has been moving in your life, etc. Right? Because I'm like, mm-mm. <laughs> and I was saying to Lung, I was like, yo, like that is so deep for me when I realize that, right? So it's that one aspect. So every time I expand, I want to, this part of me that is like, uh, yeah, we still need to prove and show just how unfair the divine is because people can work super hard and still not break through. Remember, your job is to show this. So every time I'm like breaking through, like, okay, I'm getting closer to the skull, that part comes and goes, ooh, honor this vow. Honor the vow to prove the unfairness of God. And it's like, okay, self-sabotage, go back, you know, or ooh, suddenly, no. I'm procrastinating or lately like have an ear infection, uh, I have stomach aches, etc. So nope, can't do it. So it's almost like it works against us. And there's literally, this is where it's like, no one can do the work for us because vows are such a personal thing, right? So we need to go in and as, so sometimes what I found is if we're having a hard time um, with a lot of things, but also just breaking the vow of loyalty, which is so deep already as a vow on its own, we need to go a little deeper and go, what is the, let's go into the God wound and then further down, let's work with the vow to prove the unfairness of God so that I can let this part that is refusing to do to break through in any way, just get it off the hook. Like I need to process that anger. I need to let the anger out, let it out of everything and just process it so that it can just feel heard. And I can finally be like, I see your pain. It's okay. You can let it go. The divine, let all that go. And then you can release the other vows. And then magic starts to happen. I I see this often, often, often with people. It's like, doesn't matter who you are. And I've seen it with people, a lot of, even a lot of clients of mine that are at the top of their game where you're like, oh my gosh, this cannot be the God wound that is stopping the next level. And it's like, yep, it's that. And it comes from, it can be from anything, right? It's like, 
Why did I endure this when other people had such a fun time? So, yeah, so that's the thing. So now it's not just that you have the set point. And of course, with the vows of loyalty, the vows of loyalty can also then impact the, the financial set points that we have within a family because we remain loyal because we're like, oh, I'm loyal to everything that the soul is and whatever my family is, right? And so we are unintentionally being loyal to even their money set points and uh, their spending habits, their income stuff, etc. So remember the exercise that I shared that I did with people at the retreat, right? And it's just like, then we are loyal to that, right? And we're not even aware of it. And on top of that, the set points cause even deeper anger. And I'm here to prove how unfair God is. So I'm just going to be this beaming light and declare war on the divine. So now you have like double vows that keep you theater to the set point. So as we start to heal a huge part of trauma, and as you can imagine, this is all tied to trauma, right? Because even within the vows of loyalty, a lot of it, like I just described trauma, right, with my mom, and it's me refusing to heal and let my mother be because it's like it feels like a betrayal to just have things easy when she struggled so much right and most of us i'm willing to bet that if you go home and maybe you come from the struggle and things haven't changed and then you feel powerless when you go home often there's that vow of loyalty that kicks in it's like oh my gosh my life is so different like ooh, and it feels like survivor's guilt you know you're dealing with a vow often when it feels like guilt you know when you're dealing with a god wound when it feels like absolute refusal like you are taking a stand against your expansion it, it's often a sign of a God wound. So often this is why it's so, it can be so challenging for us to go beyond set points. And sometimes why it will feel like the parts of us hijack us, we'll lose our memories, we don't even know what we did with that money, etc. right? So, or we keep repeating the cycle. You're like, I go here, but I never quite see progress and I go back. I go here, I go back because the part of you that is ready to expand is expanding. But the part of you that is holding on to the vows or some other trauma comes back and pulls you back and says, that's not safe. And so it pulls you back and it brings you back into uh, what it considers safe and normal or what it considers fair right because for me what is fair is not going to be what's fair for you what's fair for me is like don't go beyond this particular income level and this particular investment level or goal because my mother struggled and she didn't go beyond that so that doesn't feel fair right so we all have a different concept of fair so let me know if you have any questions. I'm going to have some water and then I'm going to tell you guys about the bank account challenge, right? Okay, so. Okay, I'm not really seeing comments. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. Uh, I'll see the comments later. Like. Uh, once in a while I have comment issues, so I'm just going to try something. People say that if you do this, the comments show up. Okay, okay, nobody has commented. Guys, this is a first. I'm going to assume that people are resonating with this because you guys have been here for a while. Um, okay, so I am currently running the bank account challenge. So I'll just say this, like the bank account challenge really doesn't deal with vows, right? However, I tend to work with the challenge based um, with every live round once a quarter with where I'm at in my life, right? And as luck would have it, right now I am in the God wound, <laughs> strong, <laughs> like really, really in the God wound. Guys, the God wound is one of the hardest things because it's like having to deconstruct 
your, our concepts of the divine, of the universe, and, you know, we like to believe we're spiritual, but really having to really go there so that we can truly heal. It's not an easy one. And also seeing ourselves and seeing how we process things is interesting. It's deep. Um, and I'm in the midst of vows of loyalty, right? Usually I cover this only in the Money Magic course. Um, so the bank account challenge is for you if you are interested in changing your spending habits. This is not in the Money Magic course is where I deal with remaining out of debt, uh, getting out of debt and staying out of debt and increasing your income and expansion. That's where I deal with that. In the bank account challenge is where I deal with increasing the amount of money that you have in your bank account every month, right? Uh, saving more and uh, changing your spending habits, right? So if this is resonating with you and you're thinking you want to go deeper, all the work, yes, in the bank account challenge, I'll have you print out your bank statement and we're going to work on that and we're going to create instead of a budget a spending manifesto and we'll talk about emergency funds and investing and all those practical things. A huge part of the work will be around the emotions going into the body connecting with the nervous system, going into the nervous system to understand what is keeping you in the spending habits that you are engaging in. And in actively healing those parts of you that are doing that, keeping you in that. And then um, that will, I don't want to say automatically, but you'll start to see almost a magical shift. It's not even magical, right? But like there's a Thing that happens. It's like because you're changing your emotional reaction, because you're healing the cause, you start to change your emotional reaction around money, which starts to change your behavior around money. Please erase the magical part of it. I love to say this is like magic, but I love to also explain the logical reason why this is happening because there is such a logical reason and that can be researched around how healing trauma starts to change our responses to things, right? Um, and then as we heal this, although the breaking of vows is a lot more is a spiritual thing. It's not um, so much around the nervous system, etc. It's about working with um, going into the spiritual plane to start breaking the vows and also releasing the vows from the body and where they sit in our nervous systems, right? And then you also have access to all the live classes I've done before from 2020, which are so powerful, right? So we do five days together as a group, once a quarter. The, uh, the course is always the bank account challenge unlike the money magic course is always open for registration so you can start it at any time but we are starting the first quarter's work come wednesday january 27th ending on um sunday Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, yeah, Sunday, January 31st. So as you can see, like I know like I should write notes when I do these live videos, but for the life of me, like notes never really helped me. Like I just end up just channeling whatever comes through, right? It's like I just become the stream of, of talking that I'm like, oh, that wasn't even in the notes, right? So, um, so we'll start on the live round for this quarter starts on Wednesday, this Wednesday, January 27th, ends on Sunday, January 31st. But that isn't to say that you cannot register for the course at any point. It's just to say that we will all be working together using collective energy, working on changing spending habits, working on increasing our savings, working on increasing the amount of money that we keep having in our bank accounts, which is our money set point in our savings account and in our bank accounts. And then obviously talking through the practical aspects, looking at our bank accounts, looking at how that feels within the body and then really doing all the other practical stuff because I am such a believer that we are in this world 
um, that earth is also like an, it's an earthly plane. It's not just that we're spiritual and working with spirit and emotions and healing. It's that we also need to become comfortable with the practical aspects, with the numbers. We can't be triggered every time we look at our bank accounts, right? Because that will impact the way that we make financial decisions. So if you are feeling like, oh my God, this work is resonating with me. Oh my gosh, how can I sign up? I want to invite you to the bank account challenge. Um, uh, again, like it will keep you busy for at least a quarter until the next quarter's challenge because there's so many lessons now. Uh, there's worksheets as well. There's meditations. We do EFT tapping. We do breath work. We do various modalities, right? And you can go to wealthy-money.com forward slash bank account. Again, go to wealthy-money.com forward slash bank account to join the challenge. Um, if you have any problems, any questions, DM me, um, inbox me, email me, ask me whatever questions you've got. Um, do I have anything else to add? <laughs> I think that's just about it. But yeah, so the purpose of this challenge is basically for people who are ready to start changing their relationship with money, to start changing their spending habits. And if you feel like you just keep going around in circles and you don't know what the hell is going on and willpower has not worked for you, every time you've set a budget, you basically are me when I was earning my $8,000 a month and even when I wasn't, right? Like you're just like, it's, it's the same thing with six and a nine, you know? It's like, it's same WhatsApp group, whether I'm earning lots of money, whether I'm not, can't see the difference, then I really invite you to this challenge. Okay, guys, let me know if you have any questions. If you have any questions about this live, I am here. I love to answer questions. I have a Wealthy Money team meeting in a few minutes, so I have to say goodbye. Thank you so much for joining in. Have a fantastic morning, afternoon, like morning, I think. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you find this podcast helpful and enlightening, please can you do me a favor and go leave the podcast a five-star review on iTunes or leave a comment on YouTube. And of course, share it with your family and friends. I would really appreciate it because it would help other money magicians who are looking to change their relationship with money find this podcast, which would really make my day. Also, as a bonus, if you're interested in changing your spending habits, I have a complimentary ebook for you. You can download it at wealthy-money.com forward slash workbook. Again, wealthy-money.com forward slash workbook. Have a fantastic day further and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Money Magic Podcast.